Okay, I'm going to be reading from Psalm 14, the first three verses, and then we can see that repeated in Psalm 53, 1 through 3. It says here, the fool has said in his heart, which is lay, his mind, the fool has said in his mind, no God. Even in the King James, there is italicized, <laughs> where it says there is no God. No, the fool has said in his heart, no God. No. <laughs> no. We said this recently. When we go back to Genesis, the third chapter, and we look at it, and when we were talking about words like an atheist, and remember, atheism is just completely based on a lie. And in John 8, verse 44, who's the father of all lies? But Satan. And of course, and then you see, you, you see this where it says the enemy and in, in Satan, in, who was using the serpent in Genesis 3, verse 1, he was very subtle. He was very, very, very subtle. And he did not approach Adam and Eve. He did not approach them that there wasn't a God. Read it. He didn't approach them that way. He said, hath not God said? He started to question. See, that's atheism. Starts with a question and not being settled with the answer that God is. And the answer was brought out very clearly by Christ in his pre-incarnate state, and you can see that in Genesis, the third chapter, in verses 8 to 15, about the sacrifice. But when he approached Eve, he said he, was, he didn't say there wasn't a God. An atheist, honestly, is, and, and of course, you know, you operate in dishonesty and a lie. Is there any truth in a lie in John 8, verse 44? No. Not in, not, a, not in a right way, that's for sure. Not in a right way, but don't think the enemy's not deceitful and evil enough to, to give you some truth, just enough, so you function in the evil that he is. There's no question about it. He'll take everything out of context, but the bottom line is this, is that, the, the, and I used to think, I used to make a difference, and you know, there's many works out there, many men of God, and and some would say, like, there's atheists, people that don't believe in God. And then there's agnostics. There's not enough knowledge. Well, Psalm, and we said this before, Psalm 19, 1 through 6, does away from that, does away with it completely. And we can prove it in the scriptures. God has proved it and given us the proof. There is no such thing as an atheist who says, oh, I just don't believe in God. <laughs> no such thing. Okay, And I don't believe there's such a thing as, as people don't have enough knowledge. If you have a free will and you weren't born handicapped in any measure or a child, haven't reached the age of accountability, you know it. You can't deny it. Some would say to me, really, watch this one, and then we'll get into uh, some of these words. But here's Romans, the first chapter. Here's Romans. Is there any such thing as an atheist who, said, who truly believes in himself that there is no God? Is there such a thing? Well, let's look at it. Here's Romans, the first chapter. Verse 17 says this, For, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. 
start it right out. Is the righteousness of God revealed? Let me ask you a question. God would ask us a question. Would he give his only begotten son to die for the whole humanity in John 3.16 and then not let them know? Would he? I mean, you wouldn't do that, would you? How about God? And never mind the Calvin nonsense about regardless of anyone's free will, because the scriptures obliterate that absolute nonsense. Oh boy, it's nonsense. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Look it, from dependence to dependence, from faith to faith. Got nothing to do with human thought or humanism. We'll get into that too. As it is written, those that are justified, God's love and justice has cleared them by Jesus Christ. The just will continue to live by completely depending on that. Now here's verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Look it. Who hold the truth. Got it? <laughs> Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifested in them. There it is. Is there such a thing as an atheist who says God doesn't exist and that's a reality? Because that which may be known of God is manifested, what? Is manifest to them, the original says. Not yet in them, but you can be sure it's to them. For God has showed it unto them. To who? Every man with a free will who can operate in it. Remember, free will is a gift that God never did not take away prior to, after, I should say, and prior, um, after the fall. He didn't take that away, free will. And I may have a free will, but it doesn't necessarily mean I experience freedom until that will is submitted to him, Christ, who is our peace and freedom in Ephesians 2 and verse 14. Now, verse 20, for the invisible things of him, those, in, those truths that are just as real, even when we don't see them, they're just as real. They're just as completely real. From the creation of the world, from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Do we looking at this? We hearing this? Are clearly seen. Look at being understood. Don't tell me you don't understand. Again, we're in Psalm 19, 1 to 6. By the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So that they are without excuse. So that they may be without excuse. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees? Do you remember what he said? And we'll read that. Remember what he said? The excuses, think of all the excuses that man makes. Why? He wants to excuse God, doesn't want him to exist. Why do, we, why do we live in sin? Well, we make excuses or we excuse certain things so we can continue to live in them. Just like we, we just like pretend we forgot them. Right. Okay, John 15, verse 22. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. But now they have no cloak 
for their sin. The Greek word is excuse. They have no excuse. There's no excuse for sin. That's why in 1 John 2, 1, even my little children see that you sin not. There's no excuse that you sin. But oh my God, you did? Oh, okay. Well, we have an advocate. Again, so that in Romans 1.20, back to Romans 1.20, so that they may be without excuse. And before God, there isn't any. Because that when they knew God. Did, you, did we see that? Who? That when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. No God. No. Neither were thankful, but we became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish, foolish, the fool, Psalm 14, 153, 1, their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to have wisdom, they became fools. Read 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, about true wisdom and false wisdom. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God, listen to this, into an image, into an image made like to corruptible man to birds, four-footed beasts, creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Look it. Who changed the truth of God into a lie, into atheism. And worshipped and served the creature. Worshipped and served the creature more, more than the Creator, who is blessed forevermore. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For, listen, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Lesbianism. It's mentioned even before homosexuality. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. <laughs> oh, boy. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meet, and even as they did not like to retain, or did they like to acknowledge God, that's how it says it in the original, God gave them over to a mind void of any judgment or discernment whatsoever. And to do those things which are not convenient. That's a nice way to put it. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, <laughs> backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection. Notice that. They are unsociable. Without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Watch this. Who knowing the judgment of God. Oh, you mean the one they deny who doesn't exist? Knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, Eternal, eternal separation, by the way, and eternal, eternal hell cast into the eternal lake of fire, by the way, not only do the same, but consent and have pleasure in them that do it. 
There you go. Atheism. Such a thing? Is there really such a thing? Atheist, alpha, A, negative, theo, theos, God, no God, no. You know, the Jews even said it. The religious Jews under the influence of the enemy. In John 1840, they said, not this man. <laughs> we don't want to be God. We're going to be God. <laughs> oh, boy. Very interesting. So, Psalm 14. Here we go. The fool has said in his mind and his heart, there is, no, there is what? No, the fool has said in his mind, no, God, no. They are corrupt. No wonder it says in Ephesians 4.29 for Christians to let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That would do away with a nonsensical, ridiculous, erroneous teaching of now you no longer have a sin nature. One naturism. But that does away with that instantly. Which is out there. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that does good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men. Do you think he had everyone in view? Yes. To see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Now, who's the only one that ever did that? In John 8, 29 and Romans 15, 3 was Christ himself. He had to put on the Son of, the Son of God in virtue of his deity. Had to become and put on humanity the Son of Man, the, the Son of a whole new beautiful race. Had to do that in John 1, verse 14. To see if there were any that would understand and seek God. No wonder it says in John 1 verse 18. No man has, no created being has ever seen God in all his fullness. Only the Son. He came out and literally the Greek says he spells them out to our understanding. Yeah. He spells them out. That's why it's called the gospel. The gospel of the glory and grace of Jesus Christ. That's the way it should be said properly. They are all gone aside, based upon what? Their own will. They are all gone aside. They are all together become what? Filthy, stinking. The stinking here goes back to Isaiah 64, verse 6. Those stinking menstrual rags that they offer up to God. They become filthy. There is none that does good. No, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Well, Romans, the first chapter, blows that off, doesn't it? Who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? No. There were many. Notice that. They in great fear, right? They were, there were they in great fear. They feared a fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. You have shamed the counsel of the poor, because the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion, when the Lord would bring back the captivity of his people. Jacob will re rejoice, and Israel will be glad. What an amazing thing. Atheism. Now, in understanding atheism, when it talks about a fool, we'll get into that word fool, but let's turn, I'll, I'll turn there and read it in Proverbs, the 18th chapter. And when I read Proverbs, the 18th chapter, we'll look at verses 1 and 2, and we'll have a, a great understanding. Now, 
Proverbs 18, verse 1 says this, through desire, what kind of desire? Is it improper desire in this context? It clearly is. Through desire, a man having separated himself, spiritual death, seeks and intermeddles with all wisdom. Again, go back to the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians when it talks about wisdom. And go to the first, I should say the first chapter, by the way. The first chapter talks about the wisdom in, in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. And you can start at verse 17 and go all the way down through to the end. But then you see the result of where it came from, from the first man in the 15th chapter of Corinthians and not from the second man. But through desire, no wonder it says in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. <laughs> Notice, through desire a man having separated himself seeks and intermeddles with all wisdom. Really, he that separates himself seeks according to his own desire and begins to intermeddle in every business that the enemy is trafficking in the atmosphere. That's what the Hebrew says here. Now, here's verse 2. A fool has no delight in understanding. He does not want to know God. He didn't understand God? No. A fool is one who has, is more interested in expressing his opinions and is based upon his own desires rather than God himself. A fool has no delight in understanding, but that his mind, his heart, where he treasures everything in Matthew 6, 19 to 21, may discover itself. Now, when we talk about a fool here, what we have to do is see what happened and the result of the flood that came. Why did God bring the flood? Well, it started, in Gen it started of course, with the fall of Adam and then went into Cain and the whole world system in Genesis, the fourth chapter. And then we saw the results of it in the fifth chapter. And by the time we get to Genesis, the sixth chapter, we look in verse five, and this is what God said. The thought of man is only continually evil. And the thought there means not just his thought, but every design, purpose, and desire. Everything is only evil continually. And it's repeated again in the flood brought in, the eighth chapter of Genesis, in Genesis 8, verse 21. Only evil continually. The fool is only evil continually, and in his mind, his whole mind, his whole thought process, everything about him is no God. No God. No. No. <laughs> well, what do we see here? We see here the unity, the supremacy, the omniscience, the omnipotence of God and our responsibility to him are only owned when divine revelation has brought them out as the truth, as the what? As the truth by all. Now here, listen to this. It is not that the mind of man cannot or does not seek to disprove it. It's atheism. And have no God at all, because it does not like one, does not like responsibility, and likes to be supreme. At least to have no one above it, no one above themselves. 
Sound like the enemy in Ezekiel, the 28th chapter? Read those first 15 verses in Ezekiel 28. It talks, uh, starts off by talking about the king of Tyre, but listen, Tyrus, but you can see clearly he's speaking about the fall of, of Lucifer, who was the son of the morning, who became Satan or Shatan, the opponent and adversary of God and man. Watch what it says. But this is an effort. Listen to this. This is an effort, and an effort whose effects never last with the masses. It just doesn't. Why? Because that is, that is with man according to nature, this effort, this effort that he has. But two, always connected with oppression and violence and profligacy. I mean, it's just everything evil. Look at, look at all the empires. Study the empires. We're gonna, this is going to take some time to get into this in depth, and I do believe it. If God would have it, it would be a booklet. If God would have it. And I, I, I believe so. I do. But just look at the Roman Empire. They dominated, did they not? What happens in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4 when, a, when we leave our first love, when the church of Ephesus left their first love, they hated Nicolaitanism, a power coming in and replacing Christ. Taking rule, ruling over the people and a whole system from Rome came out of it. <laughs> Look at the Roman Empire. Look at, do your history. Study the French Revolution. You know what happens? True morality. And morality has to do with spiritual principles in the Word of God or there is no such thing as morality in any human being. Period. But morality must disappear. <laughs> God's government in spiritual principles. For there can be no morality without responsibility. And what do most people don't want that are unsaved? They don't want to be responsible and accountable. And what about the flesh that's in the Christian that they're not of in Romans 8, 9? When we function in the flesh, what do we want? Do we want responsibility with God? But without responsibility with God is what? It's impossible. Why? Because for to whom are we responsible if there be not one above us? <laughs> oh, I don't want anyone above us. That's pride, you know. That's the Greek word hyperophanos or hyperophanos in those two uh, forms of that Greek word. In James 4, 6, God resists the proud, the pride, pride. The pride in Obadiah 3 that deceives Christians and leads to denial. The unsaved and believers that aren't taught or refuse right teaching or to refuse what they know. Responsibility refers to relationship. Notice that. You don't have and I don't have a proper relationship with God apart from responsibility. And let me say this for Christians. You and I are not alone. Our life consists in responsibility 
to the God in each individual, the Christ in each individual. Ephesians 5, verse 21, submit yourselves one to another in the reverence of Christ and the vessel, that treasure that's in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. Responsibility refers to relationship, and all relationship, even human, is founded on relationship to God through the only way, Jesus Christ in John 14, verse 6. There's no other name where there's going to be salvation in Acts 4, 12. No, there's not. There's one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5. Without him, without Christ, without God, self-will acts, enters into action. No question about it. Into what? Atheism. That's right. Unsaved or the flesh in the Christian. That they're not of, by the way. And none of this isn't, listen, is any of this an accusation or a condemnation to any of us in Christ? The boy, if you're in the flesh, you sure will receive it that way. Then everyone's against you, and, and every one of us have been that way, starting right here, right out. Everyone has been this way and had to go through this and learn it. We had to go through and learn it. By the, we had all that beautiful truth in Romans chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6, but we were going to go forward into chapter 8. We had to go down in chapter 7 because everything in chapter 7 was about the born-again believer but was making everything about themselves. And in that way, me, myself, and I is no God. Don't want him. Going to try it myself. Oh, I forgot. Oh, by the end of this, God has to bring me to the place of wretchedness, self-helplessness and self-hopelessness. See that? Oh, that's right. And the cry there is not who will help me in this condition. Who will deliver me? And deliverance is by death. Crucified the old, Romans 6, 1 through 6, and all the way up to 11. Thank God you can get up to verse 14 in the 6th chapter of Romans. And thank God that any of us can. Without him, self-will acts. Each one will have his own. And man becomes a mixture of the devil and a creature. Like a, an animal. Living by self-consciousness, self, everything about me is self, self-consciousness, no God-consciousness, and my physical body. That's where all the addictions come from, folks. The enemy convinces you in self-consciousness that you need these things to get out of that. It's a trap and a lie based, based upon atheism. God is not enough. Yes, no, I can do all things. If you're a believer, you can do all things, but only through Christ's submission of the will, Philippians 2, 12 and 13, I can do, all, singular, each individual in Christ, I can do all things through and by Christ alone. And thank God in 419 of Philippians, he has supplied all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There's no question about that. And the word becomes very clear in that area. And so they become a mixture of the demonic and their animal nature. Or 
They are kept down by power because it must be or worse, while power in result will cultivate superstition. This is where all your other superstition, mystery re religions come from. We'll get into this in the future too, in a, in a greater depth. But here, when it talks about that power, we, and, and the Bible brings this out clearly for, for us, and thank God for the grace and truth that we all know and we're continuing to grow in, not knowing it like we ought to, but learning it. 1 Corinthians 8, 2, and 3, and thank God for 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. But the fact of the matter is that the devil's power has been defeated. That's Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. It's crystal clear. We do not have to sin. We choose to when we operate in atheism. No, God, don't need you. Don't want to be responsible. Don't want to be accountable. He's been robbed of his power. That's the scriptures. How does he operate? Ephesians 6, 11, by his wiles, by his methodia, by his lies. That is his power. Remember. Does, does atheism, if we want to give it a definition, does it start with there is no God? In Genesis 3, did he approach Eve that way? <laughs> no. You know why? Because even in James 2 verse 19, it says even the demons believe and they tremble. Even the demons believe that there's God and they tremble because they know they're going to face him. But they still, in their deception and insanity, can't change. They were given that opportunity in heaven. Well, here we go. Well, that power, that deceptive lying, that atheism will result and cultivate superstition. You know what? That's why there's no, there's no, there's no superstition in love. Did you know that? Christ does away with that. He's done away with all of that, hasn't he? Did, has Christ given the availability for every single human being to never again function in atheism? Yeah. yeah. I don't believe in, in an agnostic. Well, I don't have enough knowledge. You know, A, no, alpha negative, gnosis, gnostic, agnostic. I don't have enough knowledge. Yeah, sure you don't. Ha! Even a baby knows better. In Psalm 58, verse 3. But as soon as it's born, it comes out of the womb speaking lies. Have fun. <laughs> you too. <laughs> they are precious little bundles, but they don't need any love or training. Loving discipline. Love, love, love. Yes. Yes. Look. It will cultivate superstition because of its sway over man's mind. And indeed, where faith or revelation does not give a true sphere outside of the self-life, man cannot rest in self, and he will make a false one, a false rest. But is there? Who creates peace in Isaiah 57, verse 19? The wicked are like the, uh, the unbelievers, and, uh, and a wicked person is an unbeliever, one who refuses to give place to God in terms of responsibility and accountability. They refuse to do it. 
And they're like the, the troubled sea who casts up mire and mud and all this other stuff. And if you want to know what that is, you have to turn to Matthew, the 15th chapter, and look at verses 16 to 20. And then you can go into Mark, the 7th chapter also. It's not that that goes into a man that defiles a man. It's that that comes out. That's what defiles a man. And that's what the enemy wants, especially for believers, to function in the defilement that they're not in Christ. Well, here it is. It cannot give a true sphere out it can give a true sphere outside self. Man cannot rest in self and he'll make a false one. So under Satan's power, which is his wiles, his lies, his superstition, you can't trust anybody. I can never love that person again. I can't trust them. Now I can't ever express love, which is forgiveness in relationship to each other. I can never do that because I can't trust them. No, you're acting like an atheist, and so would I. (laughs) So would I. So would I. Oh, my God. When we don't go forward, folks, folks, Christians, when we're not going forward, there's no neutrality. We're going right back to all that other junk again. That's That's a guarantee. And you're not going to want a fellowship. Neither am I. Because of of, uh, Galatians 5.17. You can't do the things that you would. If you're functioning in the flesh, you're not going to want to do the spiritual things. If you're functioning in the spiritual things, you're not going to want to do the things of the flesh. Those fleshly natures, all those addictions. Using them to cover. Making our wounds greater than the healer. Convinced that we're still that. Convinced of it. Well, as we begin to wrap it up this morning, Revelation, what is Revelation? It's making known the true God. And when he's known, he meets not the knowledge of the fallen man, but the lacks, the wants, the desires of the human mind. Boy, that's good. That's huge. It is the witness of its own truth. You read it. Again, Revelations, uh, Romans 1, 18 to 32. Come on. You can read those and tell me a person who has a functioning will and can be responsible and accountable with that will that God gave them. You mean to tell me that they, they, that they believe that God doesn't exist? Well, Superstition. Superstition. We're going to wrap it up here. It is the witness of its own truth because it meets and clears out those springs in the soul. All those thoughts and emotions that aren't of God. Which were the subjective adaptation to the relationship in which it stood. In other words, you start mixing all these things. Your standing, my standing is in Christ as a believer. In Romans 5, 1 and 2. There's no question about it. But what happens when we mix things with them? Does it affect the relationship? Does it affect my personal relationship with God? And then in turn, will it affect every single relationship where I'm called in a local assembly? It most certainly will. With any of us. With any of us. It is the objective revelation. That means... The difference between objectivity and subjectivity. Subjectivity is the fool. He lives by what he thinks is his own resources. 
He makes himself the source under the, under the liar that Satan is in John 8, verse 44. Objectivity is I live by a source outside of myself. I have an object, Christ. And when I don't, then everything is about me. My past, my hurts, everyone doesn't love me. And this is the enemy coming in. I know that's what he's doing with people. I know it. I know it. Why do you think God would have others to tell others, you need to see this individual, you need to love this individual, and that's why. There's no question about it. Well, that object of revelation perfectly, because it's complete in the love that accomplished it, meets them, fits in, and so far only God is known. Remember how Paul, everything he said, I went out by revelation. I had these great revelations. And so he wouldn't mix them and still live as a legalist, atheist. He had, was given a form, preventative, the anticipative love, prevenient grace. We'll close with this this morning. Boy, oh boy. We'll close with this. But here is what superstition is. Here is superstition. Watch this. I'm a suspect. I'm a suspect. Is there any superstition in trusting God? Is there any superstition in obeying God? Is there any in love? My obedience returned to God and then I have fellowship. No. Superstition. Here it is, folks. An irrational. <laughs> yeah, there is no God. That's not too irrational, right? An irrational belief in or notion of the ominous, very dangerous, something's uh-oh, ominous significance of a particular thing. I'm, I'm a, I, no, I'm a, I can't trust that person. Wow. Well, what will do away with that, right? A particular thing, circumstance, a system or collection of such beliefs, a custom or act, or in other words, action, based on such a belief. Irrational fear of what is unknown. Tell me what we can't trust God for. Tell me what he doesn't know. No wonder it says in 1 John 3, verse 20, if our, if our hearts condemn us, and they can in a heartbeat, our heart, that that thought life, that atheistic life in the flesh that's in us, but we're not of. When my mind and my emotions condemn me, God is greater than my heart, and he knows all things. He knows all things. That's the way with superstition. By the way, it would help us with prophecy, too. He knows that. We need to know it, too. Any Superstition, only any blindly accepted belief or notion. Blindness in the Bible constantly, look it up in the Hebrew and the Greek, it always speaks of hardness. Constantly functioning in what I know is true, but I keep refusing it till I finally get calloused over. You'll see that in Ephesians 4 verse 18. And you see it again. In Hebrews, the third chapter, look at those first 10, 12 verses there about blindness and hardness of heart, hardness of understanding. Blindly accepted, blindly accepted, pride, 
soup, the superstitious exalt, listen, their church. This is my church. I don't know. The last time I checked, it was Matthew 16, 18. It was his church that we are. Then I see guys that I knew and loved. They go to a certain system now, and they brag about their building, their church, how beautiful it is. Whew. And that could be any of us if it were, we weren't brought here by grace. They exalt their church. Where. Were it God's church, it would repudiate such exaltation at the expense of Christ. Oh, my God. Skeptic. What's a skeptic? A skeptic is a person who questions the validity or authenticity of something purporting to be factual. The skeptic is a person who questions everything. He questions it. There's a question. Remember, he questioned, he got Eve to question obedience to God or di- and why God wanted him to, wanted her to. You forget God when you, you know what causes us to forget God? Listening to questions from the atmosphere. A skeptic is a person who questions the validity or authenticity of something purporting to be factual. The skeptic is a person who questions the validity he questions the validity or facts. It is a person who maintains a doubting attitude. Can a Christian be that in the flesh? Yeah. Romans 14, 22. Listen to how perfect this is. Tell me this isn't forgiveness. In Romans 14, 22. Happy is the man that condemns not himself and the thing that he allows. Right. Does that have to do with confession, experiential? Yeah, but do you experience it until you confess it? 1 John 1 9 makes it very necessary to function in proper character in 1 John 1 7. <laughs> Maintains a doubting attitude, a doubting mindset expressed again uh, through really bad emotions because of bad thoughts. But Romans 14 22, happy is the man that condemns not himself and the thing that he allows. And he that doubts in 14 23 of Romans is damned if he eat. Is God damning them in Christ, damning them? No, they're self-damned. And he that doubts is damned if he eat because he eats not of faith, absolute dependence upon God. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin, sin. So it's a person who maintains, a skeptic is a person who maintains a doubting attitude as toward values, what's truly valuable, plans. Oh, oh, oh boy, we make our own, don't we? Of course, God would lead us to make plans, but would it be anything other than the peace that his love gives us? You wonder why you're confused? Woo! Is confusion of God in 1 Corinthians 14.33. Are you experiencing the life that Christ is based upon the peace that he's won for you? Doubting attitude towards values, plans, statements, or the character of others. Oh my God. The true character of each other. 2 Corinthians 5.16. No, no man after the flesh. Even when we knew Christ, who didn't have a sin nature, we're not to know him that way anymore. He's risen, and he is sovereign God above everything, above every struggle, every bad thing, everything. 
He's above it all. The character of others, character assassination. I'm going to live in the constant character assassination of others through not forgiven. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm going to act like an atheist. No God for them. A person who doubts the truth. Not that you haven't heard it. Maybe that's that you don't know it. But come on, experientially, I doubt it. Especially the truth of Christ. The truth of Christianity. They are those who maintained that real knowledge of things is impossible. Real knowledge of God? Impossible. Well, then he doesn't exist. Doubts the possibility of real knowledge of any kind. The skeptical exalts man as he is in his fallen, ruined state. Both agree, the superstitious and the skeptic, both agree in ignoring the shepherd's voice. You see that in John chapter 10, verses 3 through 12, and John 10, verse 27. We have to stop there because it's nine on the button, and but boy, do we have to, we have, we're, scra- we're not even scratching it. We're not together, and I mean that. We're not even scratching it. But Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving us the truth, the truth which is never with any condemnation or, or, or accusation, Father. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen.